Are you ready for God's word today? Come on, let's pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity we have to study your word today. Thank you for your love and for your goodness and your faithfulness. Lord, we're so excited about opening up your word today. We're so excited about how you started us off this year and, and how you've given us vision and a mandate and an assignment from heaven. And we're so grateful for that today. We give you all the honor, all the glory and praise. Lord, encourage our hearts here in the house, uh, in every household uh, across uh, New England and around the world. Lord, we thank you that you are doing a mighty work in us and we're so grateful for it, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, while I was praying um, for the mandate for 2021, um, a, a, a very strong direction rose up by my heart. It was the first direction that rose up in my heart. It was the courage to pioneer. Of course, last week we uh, was Vision Sunday, and we shared with you the vision. We shared with you the mandate for the, the, the courage to pioneer, and we shared with you the six areas that we'll be emphasizing throughout this year, and we gave you our, our mandate for the year. That's right, the mandate for the year. Um, so we declared that, that we don't fear the future, we pioneer it, amen? And so we thank God for that. And I say that to say, and I want to encourage you to get back online at intlfamilychurch.com. If you missed last week, please, if you feel like you're a part of this ministry, a partner and a friend uh, attached to this house, I would encourage you to listen to last week's message. It'll really help uh, set the tone for this year. I say it was the first strong direction because a second strong direction rose up inside of me. A second strong direction as I was praying about the mandates for this year, and a second strong direction rose up in my heart, and it was the courage to dream again. The courage to dream again. And with the many challenges and difficulties of 2020, many good people have become discouraged and have really let go of their dreams. One of the hardest things to do when you face disappointment in life is to dream again. And if we were honest, for many of us in 2020, 2020 was a dream killer. It was a, a year of setbacks and letdown for many people. There are many expectations that have been unmet everywhere dotted through this last year. So right here in the beginning of the year, I want to help you. I want to help you pick up your dream again. I want to help encourage you. And I want to declare to you and tell you today, it's time to dream again. It's time to pick up the dream. It's time for you to understand God has a master plan for you. So today, I'm starting a four-part series entitled Dream Again. Can you say that with me? Why don't you say it like you mean it this time? Dream again. Come on, say it with me at home. Dream again. And I want to start by talking to you about the power of hope. I understand how challenges affect us. I understand how disappointments affect us. I understand how setbacks um, affect us in our everyday life. I get it. I understand it. And here are some prominent leaders in the Bible who had some very difficult seasons in their life. David was troubled and battled deep despair. And Elijah was discouraged and weary and suicidal. Jonah was angry and full of prejudice and wanted to run away. 
Job suffered through great loss, devastation, and physical illness. Job's wife, watching her husband's debilitating illness, felt helpless, fearful, and even angry at God. Sarah had a hard time trusting God's plan and lost hope that she would ever have a baby. Joseph was abused and abandoned by his own family. Moses was grieved over the sins of his people. And Jeremiah wrestled with loneliness, feelings of defeat, and insecurity. All amazing stories. All real-life stories. The Bible is not just this fiction book uh, of all these wonderful things that happen. Wow, it's loaded with promises and blessings, absolutely. But it's also real life. It's also real life that you and I can relate to. Real life that you and I can understand and, 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 and really uh, relate and find um, our situation, our challenges, our difficulties right there in the scriptures. And what's true about all these stories and many others that we find in the Bible, that in the midst of their darkness, God was with them. God was close. God was near. Psalm 34, 18 tells us, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Isn't that good news today? I'm telling you, that's so good to know that, that, that even in the good days and the dark days, thank God for the Lord being close. He didn't condemn them for their questioning. He didn't condemn them for that difficult season. He didn't get on their case. He didn't say and judge them uh, because of the, the emotion and the challenge that they were going through. No, he cared. He reached down in their deepest pit of suffering and lifted them up. He showed compassion. He showed mercy. He brought hope. He instilled purpose and he gave victory. And guess what? He's still working the same way today. Amen. See, our world desperately needs some joy givers and some hope bringers. Come on. Those in our lives that help us remember what real grace is and where lasting help is found. The greatest truth is we have a Savior who understands pain. We have a Savior who understands our weaknesses. He understands our hurts. He understands our disappointments. He understands our suffering. And he reaches out with compassion and hope. He's a healer, a redeemer, a restorer. He's our friend. Amen. Can I hear an amen today? That's the Jesus that we serve. And that's the Lord of the Bible and the God that loves us, praise God. So here's our big takeaway for today. Our big takeaway for today is when life becomes hopeless to you, what or who do you turn to? When life becomes hopeless to you, what or who do you turn to? See, one of the main reasons for hopelessness is unfulfilled expectations. Unfulfilled expectations. Now, it's usually on the top of the list. It's usually one of the main reasons why we develop hopelessness. You thought it was going to turn out one way, but it didn't turn out that way at all. You wanted something really bad and you didn't get it. You didn't get that new job or that promotion or that special relationship or that proposal or that promise. Feeling like God let you down. And Proverbs 
really helps us here because Proverbs 13, 12 really nails it. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. Isn't that good? What a great verse. That's a verse that should be on your refrigerator, a verse that should come up on your computer, a verse that is something that some, a verse that should be alive and, and real to you. Hope deferred is unfulfilled expectations. Other translations say, unrelenting disappointment leaves you heartsick. When hope is crushed, your heart is broken. When hope's dreams seem to drag on and on, the delay can be depressing. How many can relate to that? So true that we, we, we get that, that hope deferred makes the heart sick. And when hope's dream seems to drag on and drag on, man, it opens the door to many emotions. And oftentimes in we have these unfulfilled expectations because we have, uh, we're unrealistic in the first place. We expect our spouse to meet certain needs in our lives that only God can meet. Right? We expect um, our parents to do certain things that, 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 that oftentimes they're not equipped to do financially or emotionally. Oftentimes we put pressure on our friends to be a certain something for us that they were never meant to be. And we understand that. And parents put these, um, unex, you know, these unrealistic expectations on their kids for grades and sports and appearance that's above and beyond their child's ability. What happens is all this unfulfilled, unrealistic expectation produces all kinds of anxiety and hurts and anger and disappointment. In Job 8, Job's friend, Bildad, gives a speech about what's wrong with the world. And I believe it one sentence, he really brings clarity to what is happening amongst us. He really brings clarity to what we're all dealing with, or at least many of us are dealing with in our lives. And he sums up why so many people are hopeless today. Job 8.13 says this, those who forget God have no hope. Those who forget God have no hope. It's a truth we can't ignore. The farther we get away from God, the less hope we have, right? And of course, the opposite is true. The closer we are to God, the more hope we have in our lives. Over the years, working with people from every walk of life, I can confidently confirm that the most hopeful people on the face of the earth are the ones who are closest to God. Can you agree with that? And I can also confirm that the ones who have have less hope and are walking around hopeless are the ones who are furthest away from God. Amen. So many people put their hope in so many things. And, and when they do, um, those who do not put their hope in God will by default go to whatever else feels like they feel like has the power to bring change. Right, people turn to politics and government and education, money, relationships, and those who forget God have no hope. What our culture needs today is an effusion of what? Fresh hope. Amen. Fresh hope. Without it, life has a way of getting pretty dark pretty fast. Amen. 
And we need to be reminded that we need God in our lives. We need to be reminded to, to make sure that we worship him and we love him and we learn from him and we read his word and, and we develop this closeness with God. And we need to know that without a shadow of a doubt that, that as we remain close to God, hope and faith will be in our lives. Let's take a few minutes today as we build this and define hope. What's hope? What is hope? And what's real hope? First of all, uh, what, is, what's it, what it's, what it's not. What hope is not is hope is not optimism alone. Hope and optimism are not the same thing. Now, there's no doubt in my mind that optimism is a component of hope. Optimism is a positive mental attitude. Optimism is looking for a more favorable side of events when um, they are not so great. Optimism is feeling like the future is good, but most likely um, there are some bad things going on as well. Optimism is trying to convince yourself something is true when you know in your heart it's not. Now, please understand me. I'd rather be an optimist than the opposite, a pessimist, right? As you know, I'm a... Uh, a guy that has a glass half full, that's how I look at life. I'm very much an optimist. But those who uh, understand that believe in optimism. I believe in optimism, but I don't believe in optimism just by itself. Are you with me? Optimism alone will not change the world. Optimism says it's not as bad as it looks, but hope says it's bad. In fact, it's real bad, but I still believe God. That's hope. Optimism doesn't just overlook and, and look beyond and not realize that life can be challenging. We, we recognize that, we acknowledge that, but we also keep our eyes on God. That's hope. That's where Abraham was when he was promised by God that he'd be the father of many nations. Yet his wife Sarah was beyond childbearing years. In fact, when she heard about the promise of God, she laughed. Right? She laughed at God. Man, that's talk about hopeless. Uh, there's no way. And her husband, you know, 100 years old. Romans 4.18 tells us about them and says this in Romans 4.18. Against all odds, when it looked hopeless, Abraham believed the promise and expected God to fulfill it. He took God at his word, and as a result, he became the father of many nations. There's a lot to say about each one of us when we face overwhelming odds. That's the challenge for all of us when all the odds seem to be against us, when all around us is contradictory circumstances. All around us, it doesn't make sense. All around us, it's difficult. All around us, it's overwhelming. And here, with overwhelming odds, it created a hopelessness in them. But guess what? They believed the promise of God. And that's the key. Amen? They believed the promise of God. So what's real hope? Real hope. Well, there's three kinds of hope. Number one, there's wishful hope. Wishful hope. Wishful hope is what most people believe um, when they say they're hoping. Wishful hope. When you're late for a meeting um, and you say, man, I hope that light turns green. I need a few minutes to get there right on time. 
you know what? That's wishful thinking because that light's not going to turn green because you wish for it to turn green, right? It's, there's a timer on that thing, and, and it's going to come green when the timer says it's time to come green, right? So that, that's wishful hope is usually useless false hope. Your friend says, I just bought a lottery ticket. I hope I win. I know we can, a lot of people relate to that one, right? With all these big lottery um, payouts. We all know the crazy odds against that happening. And I get it. Some say it's fun to try, but that's not the kind of hope you can build your life on, right? And then there's a second kind of hope. Number two is expectant hope. Now we're getting better. Hope is much stronger, um, and it's actually biblical expectant hope. I'm a big fan of expectant hope. I believe God blesses expectant people. Amen. Amen. I regularly say, I expect a miracle. I expect a new one every day. So I believe in expectation. Hope says, I've planted some tomato seeds, and I'm hoping to get a big harvest. Now, there's a reason I have expectation. The reason I have expectation is because I did something. I actually planted something. I actually planted tomato seeds. And because I planted tomato seeds, right, I, I actually did something. It's not wishful thinking. I'm actually sowed something so I could have a harvest off that. So I could expect some tomatoes because I planted some tomato seeds. Are you with me? How come you're so quiet this morning? Right? Humor me and say amen every once in a while. Through that mask. Thank you, Pastor Josh. Somebody says, I'm hoping for some tomatoes. And you ask them, did you plant any tomato seeds? And you, they say, no, not yet. Well, hello, that's not going to work. Someone says, I'm hoping to get out of debt. Okay, that's great. But did you follow, are you following God's plan for finances? Are you tithing? Are you giving offerings? Right? See, you can't just hope for something unless you're also doing something, right? There's an action that goes along with it. There's a word of God that you're standing on. There's seeds you sowed. There's something that you've done so you can have a, a, a realistic expectation of what you're believing for. Am I in the right room? So even though you did something and you planted some seeds, you know, now something could go wrong. The weather could not might not cooperate. And you can go away and your neighbor forgets to water your tomato plants or some kind of insect attacks your plants. So even though you did something and you have an expectation based on what you did, sometimes our expectations fall short, right? But the Bible talks about a third hope. And this is the kind of hope you can build your life on. It's called number three, certain hope. Say it with me. Say it again. This hope is not based on feelings. It's not based on a mood. Not optimism or expectation alone. But it's knowing something for certain. Amen. And here's one great Bible example, while there are many. Hebrews 6.19 says, The certain hope of being saved is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. Certain hope. Say it with me. Certain hope, there's no doubt. In certain hope, there's no reservation. In certain hope, right, there's no hesitation. 
There's no what if. I don't think what if if I don't go to heaven. That doesn't even enter my mind. Why? Because I know what the Bible says. The Bible says in Romans 10, 13, it says this, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be what? Saved. So when I give my life to Christ, I don't do a what if. I have certain hope, right? Because I believe it. There's no reason for you to doubt this morning. There's no reason for you to doubt your salvation and to doubt that you are on your way to heaven when you've given your life to Christ. That's certain hope. That is, you can take that to the bank. You can build your life on certain hope. Amen. My entrance into heaven is a certainty. Amen. Based on what? God's word and my action with God's word. Amen. Certain hope has three characteristics and it's all mentioned right here in this verse. And I love this because the certain hope of being saved is a, say it with me, strong trustworthy, anchor for our souls. I love those three things. Strong, trustworthy, and an anchor for our souls. That's certain hope. Certain hope produces something strong. What does strong mean? Powerful, firm, solid, sturdy. It can handle the toughest of times. Amen. I love that. And I I believe that that's so true and that we can believe that and we can look to God and trustworthy means what? Dependable. Dependable. You can bet your life on it. And an anchor for our souls, it stabilizes your will, your intellect, and your emotions. Amen. So when you're going through something, man, you want to be strong, don't you? You want to be powerful, firm, solid, and sturdy. You want to be able to build your life in the toughest of times. And certain hope makes it trustworthy. Man, you, you're depending on something. You can bet your life on it. And you know, when, when you're in that area of overwhelming despair and disappointment, you need your will to be stabilized. You need your intellect not to gang up on you, your reasoning ability. And you need um, to understand that your emotions can be solid in God. That's what certain hope will do for you. Certain hope will will keep you sturdy, will keep you strong, will keep you in a place of dependability and will be an anchor to your soul, keeping all your emotions and your feelings and your intellect in a place where it needs to be. Isn't that good? Man, that'll help you today. That'll so be there because the anchor to your soul is not money. It's not power. It's not control. It's not manipulation. It's hope. And the stronger your hope, the stronger your anchor. Amen. What's the purpose of an anchor? Amen. There's two purposes to an anchor. And hope is like an anchor because, number one, it keeps the ship from drifting. It keeps the ship from drifting. Every anchor has a chain attached to it, and that anchor is in use. It stops the boat from drifting. And without uh, uh, an anchor, man, that boat can drift, and it can drift into, into perilous waters. It can drift into um, where there's rocks. Um, it could pierce the hull and, and sink the boat and lose the, the cargo. I don't know if you've ever been fishing by yourself in a boat, and you find some good uh, fishing hole, and you shut the engine off, and you begin to drift, and you're just having a great time catching all those fish. And before you know it, you end up at a place where you thought, wow, how did I end up here? Right? Because when you don't have an anchor, you drift. You drift. And, and having 
that understanding, you need to know that this is easy. This can happen easy in our everyday life. It happened in 2020. It can happen in 2021. It's easy to drift away from God. It's easy to drift away from your church family. It's easy to drift away from your dreams and easy to drift away from the person that you love and easy to drift away from close friends. We are constantly drifting if we are not anchored. Amen. Amen. Hope is an anchor because number two, it gives the ship stability in a storm. It gives the ship stability in a storm. When a boat is out in the middle of the ocean, and, and you lower that anchor, it reduces the pitch and roll in bad weather. You know, the oldest anchors were uh, just rocks with rope tied around them or uh, chains attached to them. Then the, we know the more modern day anchors that we're more familiar with, uh, that these anchors vary in size, but they have the same purpose, don't they? They would be lowered in a storm and would dig deep into the bedrock of either the bottom of that lake or the bottom of that ocean and create stability. And here's the point. The bigger the ship, the bigger your anchor needs to be. The bigger your ship, the bigger your anchor needs to be. Now you can live an insignificant life if you want to. You can live a life where you don't dream or you don't stretch yourself or you don't grow. And you can just be happy with your little tiny anchor. If you want a, a, a little life, all you need is a weenie anchor. But if you've got a big dream, like I know some people in this room have some big dreams. Say big dreams. Big dream. You want to have a, a life that is significant, a life that, that makes a difference, a life that, that helps people, a life that is out there beyond yourself and beyond the sunny shores, and you're out there in the deep, and you're making a difference, and you, you, want, to, you want to be in that place. Well, you need a bigger anchor if you have a bigger desire to reach more people, to make a difference in your family, right? To have promotion, to, to make good money, to have that career, to have that ministry, to be in that place. Amen. But if you want to live a big life, a life that Jesus calls an abundant life, a fruitful life, a generous life that blesses others and makes a difference, then you're going to need a bigger anchor. I'm telling you, some of you need a bigger anchor. <laughs> some of you need a bigger anchor. And you need to recognize that. You need to know that you've been trying. You want to have these big ideals and these big opportunities for God. And God's made a difference in your life. And you try and step out to do certain things, but without that anchor that helps you not drift or helps stabilize you, it's going to be a very rough road. Amen. What's the size of your anchor? Amen. The question some of you might be thinking is, then where do I find this kind of hope? Where do I find this kind of hope? Because I want this certain hope. I want this kind of hope like an anchor. I want this kind of hope that's strong and dependable. And the truth is, when we are in a storm, we often look elsewhere for different sources of hope. We look to people and events, and um, uh, we, we look to uh, other things to deaden the pain and and help us to kind of deal with it and kind of get through it. And we medicate ourselves and all of which do nothing to help us with the root cause of hopelessness. So how do we go from wishful hope, expectant hope, to certain hope? Hope that's strong and firm and stable. You can build your life upon. Well, 
certain hope is not based on my wish list, but rather on God's willingness to do what he said he would do. Amen. You got to believe God's word is true. You got to believe that you can take that and stand on that and believe on that. Amen. That's what certain hope is. It's not about your wish list. It's about believing that God's willingness to do what he said he would do. Hebrews 10, 23, I love this verse. It says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promises. Amen. Amen. God can be trusted to keep his promises. Amen. Certain hope is based on over 7,000 promises in found in God's word. And the Bible is clear about what God cannot do. And the Bible says God cannot lie. And certain hope is based on the fact that God cannot lie. He says he watches over his word to perform it. Hallelujah. And I can tell you by personal experience in the Del Turco house, let me tell you something, we've taken certain hope and it's been an anchor to our lives. Four decades, we've been standing on certain hope. Four decades and we've watched and seen God move by his spirit and God do miracles in our lives and, and, and give us babies when we couldn't have babies and, and, and helped us at, in our mid-20s here starting IFC with a dream in our heart and do something impossible. Only certain hope could do that. Certain hope. Taking these two little Italians and putting a, a big dream in their heart. That's the kind of God we serve. If God can do that for the Del Turcos, and how many here have testimony of certain hope? Let me see your hand today. And if God can do it, look around, keep those hands up. See all those hands up? If God can do it for all of them, and I'm sure you're at home today, you can raise your hand today and your hand is up in the living room or bedroom or wherever you are, amen, because that's the kind of God we serve. If he can do it for me, he can do it for you. If he can do it for you, he can do it for you and you and you and you. All of us, praise God. Why? Because we can take God's word and understand it, praise God, our certain hope we believed it. We believed in Jeremiah 29, 11. And it says, I know what I'm doing. Aren't you glad God knows what he's doing? He knows what he's doing. I have it all planned out, he says. Plans to take care of you and not abandon you. Plans to give you the future you hope for. Oh, that's such good news today. I'm so grateful for that. Certain hope is contagious. And the darker it gets and the more hopeless it becomes, guess what? Life becomes the more contagious it is. Certain hope is our birthright as a follower of Christ. It really is. Amen. Bring up that next. It is the fundamental belief based on God and his word that tomorrow will be better than today. Tomorrow will be better than today. You got to believe that. That's, that's your birthright as a child of God. That belongs to you as a child of God. It's, your, it's the fundamental belief. You can take it to the bank based on God and his word, not my word, on God and his word. 
that tomorrow will be better than today. Amen. I don't know what you're facing today. I don't know what you're going through right now. I don't know what financial challenge and what physical challenge and what, what emotional challenge you're going through and what difficulty you might be facing and, and what you've let go in your life and what you are no longer believing is, is possible or you're doubting God and doubting his word. I promise you, child of God, I promise you that you have the right to believe that tomorrow will be better than today. Amen. That's certain hope. And if we're going to help you dream God's dream, if we're going to help you believe, dream again, if we're going to help you have the courage to dream again, it all starts right here with certain hope. Here's where it starts. So we got three more weeks uh, to understand this and give you that foundation. But it, it starts here. I need you to trust God because that's how your hope gets restored. I'm praying that your hope is restored today. You're not just relying on wishful thinking. You're not just relying on optimism. You're not just relying on, on just an expectation, but you're, you're standing firm on certain hope. My last scripture for the day. Here it is, 1 Peter 1.3. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth. What? Into a living hope. <laughs> through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. When you give your life to Christ, you are born into a living hope. That living hope belongs to you. See, without Jesus, there's no living hope. Without God in your life, there's no living hope. And I want to encourage you today to make sure that Jesus lives inside of your heart, that you are right with God in your heart. Amen. And we can pray a very simple prayer today to make sure that, that this certain hope, this living hope is born, born in you and birthed in you through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So if you're here in the room or joining us online today, I want to make sure that, first of all, Jesus lives inside of your heart so that this living hope can come alive on the inside of you. And you who are children of the Most High God and followers of Christ, amen, thank God you can walk in certain hope today knowing that God loves you, cares about you deeply, and He wants you to walk in the fullness of His Word every day. Did you get something out of this today? Will you stand to your feet with me, please? Thank you, Father. Will you raise your hands towards heaven for just a moment? And I would love for you to, as we did in communion, when we reflected on those three great promises that Jason reminded us of, I would like you as followers of Christ to reflect on the goodness of God what has caused you to become hopeless? What has caused you to let go of your dream? What has caused you to drift and to settle for something that is beneath you as a child of God, that God has so much better, bigger for you? So it's important that you take inventory of your heart today as your hands are raised. We're surrendering our hearts to God. We're saying, Lord, I surrender to you. I don't want to live hopeless. I don't want to live bound by all those emotions and 
negative, contradictory circumstances. That in the midst of it all, Father God, against all odds, I put my trust back in you. I put my trust and look to you, author and finisher of my faith. Forgive me for, for allowing hopelessness and despair to fill my heart. Maybe you've not verbalized it. Maybe you've not said it to anybody, but you know in your heart, you've drifted away from that certainty, that stability, that dependability, that anchor to your soul. Your soul has kind of gone off in all the drama. And it's time to bring it back to God and his word. If you're here today and you know, you say, Pastor, I don't know this Jesus. I don't know him as Lord and Savior. I need to. Because that's the only place where certain hope can be found. I need to know him. I want him in my heart. I want him in my life. I want my heart to be right with God today. That's you and you'll say, Pastor, pray for me, please. I need Jesus. You can put your hands down for a moment. I need Jesus today. I need him. I want you to pray for me and you that are online. This applies to you today. You say, Pastor, with my upraised hand, I'm saying, here I am. I need you, Jesus. I want hope in my life. I want my sins forgiven. I want a brand new start. If that's you, will you raise your hand nice and high today? I want to pray for you. Anybody like that today? Raise it up high. Yes, thank you. God bless you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I see those five, six, seven. Yes, thank you. God bless you for those hands. Good for you today. That's awesome. Anybody else today? Yes, sir. Thank you. I see it. Good for you. Wonderful. Yes, thank you. Awesome. Wow. You that are at home, wherever you are right now, take a moment and just focus on the goodness of God. Focus on his love. Focus on his goodness. Focus on this moment where he's stirring in your heart and, and, and yield and open up your heart to his love today because he loves you so very much. Those of you that raise your hand, we're going to pray this prayer together. In fact, we're all going to do it together as one big family. Let's pray this prayer together. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, here's my heart. I need you. I can't live hopeless. It's too hard. Forgive me for all my sin. I need you, Jesus. I declare you as my Lord. I will follow you all the days of my life. And today, I receive forgiveness. I receive salvation. I receive eternal life. And I will walk in certain hope from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen.